0: Hello and welcome back to the Undercut Podcast. I'm your host, Timo Obis-Daily. We're back for another off-season episode. This time we're going to be reviewing all the action from this year's Formula 4 UAE Championship. But in order to do that, I've ditched the other two because they've been useless on this one and I've joined instead by of Sports' Olivia Ison. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. I'm happy to be on here. I love seeing what you guys have been up to on Instagram, so really happy to be joining you guys for an episode.
0: Well, keep talking like that. I will definitely invite you back in the future. (laughs) So as mentioned, we're here to talk about everything F4 UAE 2023. So first of all, what history do you have with the series? And what were your general thoughts on this year's campaign?
1: So I've always been into Formula One but I was looking for people racing that were more similar to my age. So I definitely started looking into the junior formulas and then I was kind of, I was a rabbit hole from there. So Formula 2, Formula 3, moving into Formula 4, especially in the winter break, like there's literally never any racing. So Formula 4 UAE has always been really great because it's just something to watch. This campaign I found really, really interesting to watch because there's so many youngsters moving up the ranks and they've really impressed me. The racing's been really good especially for their age so i've really enjoyed it
0: no definitely formula 2 and formula 3 were very much a gateway drug to all of these other yeah. formulas and i don't regret getting to those it just means that you have even less of a weekend but at the same time they so don't mind too much
1: exactly it's so entertaining so
0: and like you say there's been a lot of drivers in the junior categories, moving up at a ridiculously rapid pace and nowhere really for them to go. So it's frustrating on that respect, but you're glad that you get to see them at least racing somewhere. Like, okay, how how do I find 20 seats all of a sudden without losing anyone that I like as well? So it's a whole thing. And there's definitely some names from this year's F4 UAE campaign that I hope we get to see at least in F2 and F3, even if they don't necessarily make it up to F1. I mean, there's plenty of other places they can go after that. But that's a that's future problem. We'll deal with that when we get exactly. there. We've got at least a couple of years before we have to worry about that. So I think, first of all, I'm just going to jump through the top five for the Drivers' Championship. Yeah. And we can have a little bit of a talk about that. So, so reverse order. I'll go for reverse order. we had in fifth place, Arvid Lindbaugh, 107 points with one win and a further two podiums. Also worth noting, he's part of the Red Bull Junior Academy slash Army, as they seem to have a ridiculous of there. Uh, fourth place, we had Valerio Rin- Rinicella. I knew I was going to mess up one name. 171 oh, points yeah. with six podiums. Then third place, we've got McLaren's new favourite person in the world, Ugo Ukuchukwa, with 185 points, five wins and another three podiums. Second place, Tuka Taponen, 212 points with four wins and a further six podiums. And then in first place, winning the championship, we had James Wharton with 232 points with four wins and seven podiums. Interestingly, they're not necessarily the most wins wins overall, but just that consistency. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I think yeah, it's more about how many podiums you get, it's more about scoring consistently than the wins, because I already thought that Ukuguchu was gonna win the whole championship, but then it just kind of fell away from him at the end. But we'll discuss that further later, I feel <laughs> like. But yeah, consistency is key and it shows really with James's win.
0: We saw that a lot last year with Formula 2 and Formula 3 as well, with Grogovic and Martens, They didn't get anywhere near as many wins as we expected them to, and just shows how crazy those two categories can be and the consistency you need there, like you say. But And this is no offence against James Wharton, but he's just not someone I've really come across prior to this championship. And again, it's early days, I get that, but you know Hugo, you hear a lot of noise around it, and yeah. fair enough, he's clearly skilled, but... You think, why was Zach Brown not looking at maybe James Wharton or why is Red Bull not looking there? Or have they been? And I've just missed that completely, you know. You wonder what's what's going on there. And again, New Zealand, as far as I'm aware. So good racing heritage from that country, you'd think surely he's got to get a bit more attention now after winning this.
1: Yeah, I understand. I feel like the Ferrari Driver Academy's definitely bagged a few good races and but the other team should be looking a bit younger honestly, to get them in quicker because Ferrari, I've looked into this more, but like they're scouting how they get people into the academies. By scouting across all the continents, they get the best talent, whereas I feel like the other teams are left kind of short with, obviously, still talented drivers, but hmm. if you start getting in there with, like you said, James Wharton, it's not a name that you hear very often, but Ferrari have already taken him and clearly it's paying off because he's won. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting as well then to compare which teams take which driver under the wing and then how soon do you hear about them as much forward? do you have to, like you say, go looking for them to find out these yeah. things. Whereas with Arvid and Ugo, you just know about them, which is just curious to see what different operations are going on there to, to boost their profiles. Um, but all for all five of them, I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously it's a bit late to join Formula Three this year, but next year, I'd be surprised if we don't at least see a couple of them.
1: Yeah, I agree. But you uh, will be seeing a few
0: of them, Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Ugo, definitely, Zach's been putting so much kind of talk his way, and I mean, five wins as well. It's not anything to be kind of shaking a stick at. Kind of not comfortably beating Valerio. It was, it could have been closer, but decent, and kind of, but again, a little bit in his in no man's land at the place there with such a big jump up to, to second and first place there. It's interesting as well, like you were saying before, who's getting more attention where and how that's going to impact later on. But again, Formula 4 is a crazy championship. You've got so many races over a weekend, short races. And if you have a compromised race, it can really just be damage limitation for the rest of the weekend. But if you're not careful.
1: Okay. Exactly. I feel like with 39 or something like 39 cars on the grid as well, it's so easy to get into accidents. So though you wouldn't be making risky moves, it's also about just getting through corners cleanly. So I, that's why I think consistency is so key because you can be making those gutsy moves, but then if you are out, like you said, that is the whole race compromised and there aren't many chances to get that back up. So, yeah.
0: And I should apologize to all the other drivers that we don't get around to mentioning on this <laughs> podcast. Cause like you said, there's so many of them that you can have a really great drive, but if you're starting somewhere like 32nd and you make your way up to 15th, that's awesome. But you still don't get any points and it's really brutal
1: yeah 100% like top 10 points but then you've got 29 other drivers they could be doing their own thing back there but you don't really see it so I agree yeah
0: it's the one time I wouldn't mind the implementation of IndyCar points where everyone gets something
1: exactly just like to award people who are they are really talented but if they just start further back they do and that's Well, it's one of those things,
0: maybe implement something where the driver with the most overtakes in a race. But if you still are outside of the bunch, you get a couple of points because, you know, you've you've worked hard to get to where you are. And if you make it 15 places, it's a more impressive drive in some respects than someone going from 10th to 1st.
1: I agree. 100%. Yeah.
0: Want to give another shout-out though to Zachary David, because he was the only other driver to win a race this year that which was in Kuwait round one race three, which <laughs> the fact that I've got to say round one race three is fun in itself. Yeah, um Noah Lyle also wins a shout-out for coming third in the same round and being the driver lowest down in the standings, so nineteenth overall to get onto the podium. So again, it's nice to you still get a little bit of a mixed bag there, not quite as much as yeah. you might like, but again, impressive that you can have those races still where maybe it doesn't go to plan for those near the top and you get a bit of a wild, hungry 2021 situation if we're going to go back to <laughs> F1. I
1: understand, yeah. But I like to see those kind of standout performances from people that you don't really see that often. It just shakes it up a bit because we did see the top five kind of alternating on the podium, but mm. seeing people from further down also showing their talent is really impressive.
0: It's interesting with the top five as well from from what I saw that, they either had a great weekend where they'd be on the podium, winning, or they DNF'd. It wasn't kind of this right. this middle ground very often. I think you had one bad result, maybe for for Jack, but um, that was about, or James, sorry, but that was that's about as yeah mediocre as you would get there. It's, it's impressive consistency, but then when it goes wrong, goes really wrong. Whereas all these others, they're battling away for it, but nothing else is kind of you can't do much about that again if you're just exactly. on the cusp of points.
1: It's like everything or nothing, which is really interesting again, because if you look at Valerio, obviously he didn't get any wins, but it was those podiums that I feel like certified him in fourth place.
0: Mm. And again, by quite a margin as well, when you compare it to Arvid, 107 points for him, 171 points for Valerio, but Arvid still won a race but Ferrari yeah. just can't, kept putting it in there for an in there so again I'm not 100% sure if he's been signed up by any academy yet but if it hasn't happened yeah. then he, he will be soon I'm sure with doing something like that especially like you say which, with, with Red Bull driver and fifth
1: yeah exactly so put himself between Red Bull they've got McLaren we've also got Ferrari I feel like he'll definitely be one that teams will be looking to sign up which is really great
0: I'd be hoping maybe if they're looking more to develop this side of things aston martin maybe taking a little look there they obviously took Drogovic who wasn't assigned to anyone up to that point and he had to go and win f2 in his third season before he could even get affiliated so
1: exactly
0: you never know it feels like they they like these these characters who are a bit out of out of the out of the circle a little bit if, if it, yeah lack of a better phrase there so maybe that's that's something for them to i'll call that now that'll be my prediction <laughs>
1: When it happens, everyone come back in there because it's like, you can be successful 100% like Djokovic did win the whole left F2. But I think these driver academies are really important and they're becoming more and more important with more drivers joining racing to have these teams supporting you, putting money into you, marketing you and all those sort of things because it is so important for sponsors and all sorts of things. It is just very expensive to go on your individual kind of route
0: through the formulas. It's also proving to be more difficult if you're not associated with any team, even loosely, to get into that ultimate goal of F one. And you can make it up to F two like we've seen with, with Drogovic and Boschong, for example, who just keeps plugging away. And I don't think he's ever gonna necessarily get to F1, unfortunately, for him. But
1: yeah.
0: It's it's frustrating sort of because you see a driver that is as talented as Drogovic, and okay, it took him a little while to get going, but he got there and it was he got the call at the right time. And it's still ultimately a reserve position but he's putting that to good use this week when we're recording this episode as he's in testing thanks to Stroll but you can't be relying on those kind of things to get you there it's and it's frustrating that talent won't be enough to get you over over the line there but uh, hopefully someone snaps him up soon
1: exactly I agree
0: I did put a section in here on who else impressed and we do have a couple of crossovers between who we've chosen here which I think is is worth mentioning so go for the first first one of those I'll, I'll talk about that one and then i'll let you have the the second one we had we both have hamdar al who if for no other reason in the final race proves how far she's willing to go to score some points
1: 100 <laughs> um obviously very stressful to watch her get injured and i'm hoping <laughs> she's recovering well but she's just really is gutsy with her moods i'm personally a bit biased i really like Hamda, but I just think she's a big talent and obviously in I think it was Italian effort she became the first woman to get mm. podium. she is always I feel like at the forefront of these young women making the junior formulas and I think she's definitely someone to keep an eye out for in the future.
0: Now she's very carbon collected approach behind the wheel and just goes about a business and doesn't just jump into a category for the sake of it she gives it a lot of thought before and like right what can I do here how will it benefit me what can I really do to improve myself as a driver and yeah, it's just a really good approach to have and i do hope that yeah. i mean we've got until april for her to get her arm better if okay. if uh my prediction of her joining f1 academy is going to happen yeah. um but if she doesn't turn up there then i still think that by this time next year someone's got to snap her up because yeah it's just it, it's a no-brainer for me
1: exactly I agree, I also predicted her Fairphone Academy, I'm really hoping to see her in there but I think also, like you said it's just this very serious attitude behind the car I think it's very obvious that she comes from a racing family because she just gets on with it and I think that's really important especially with people do doubt women, I feel like in the categories and so certain times though you want to support them in like the Formula 3s, the Formula 4s like you said, it does seem like they're just kind of I don't know how to say this without sounding mean, but <laughs> they're going, but they're not really like really proving themselves in said category. Hamda goes, she makes an impact. I thought that's important, rather than just going and kind of staying. Yeah, and no, the- I, I get what
0: you mean. It's it's a tricky one because I was having a conversation with someone about this the other day, where in order for people in order for you to be taken seriously by by everyone else there, you have to not only beat everyone else, you've got to win convincingly. And you've got to do it in at least the same machinery. You can't have better machinery. It's got to be at least the same or worse yeah. to show that you're even better than them in some ways. And it's just a ridiculous expectation because you wouldn't be thinking that Perfect. of all the other drivers that are on the grid that are strangely not women. <laughs> so 100%.
1: it does
0: make you yeah. scratch your head. But like you say, she's got this calm, cool-headed approach, racing family, good backing, and very much just... A very very fun person off track as well. She doesn't take herself too seriously there. And I think that is a very nice balance to have there, which is also a common trait for the second person we've got on our list.
1: Yeah, we've got Bianca Pistamante. I feel like she's really impressed me. I think she's going to be a growing talent. Obviously, she's joining F1 Academy this season. So I think it was very important for her to be in F4 UAE, especially because obviously she's racing W Series last season. But I wanted to see how she in this kind of mixed gendered field and i mean i she impressed me personally with her points and everything so yeah
0: yeah and as well she she's been very consistent in her racing in terms of there's not been a lot of time off for it. like you say she had WCs but then not long after that she went over to india and raced in the indian racing league there and Okay, it may not have been the... It's it's still a very new championship, so they're not going to get everything perfect, but it's good seat time at least. Some is better than none. It gives you a bit of something else, a good bit of experience, and you never know what you might learn from that that you can apply somewhere else. And then obviously jumping straight into F4 UEE, then going into F1 Academy. It's nice to just keep building and building and building. Hopefully we can get some more of that because I'd love to see her in Formula 3 next year. Um, And another one of these characters who... Very big following off track.
1: Yeah. Not
0: just from her home country, but globally, and W series has helped a bit with that. But she's just been very smart on her decisions and just very approachable. Um, so it's nice to see that we've got these these younger drives, because obviously we have the the Jamie Chadwick's the Alice Powers and W series, but it's nice to see that there are the younger ones coming up a bit as well. I'm making it sound like Jamie and Alice are so old, but you know,
1: (laughs) yeah, but yeah, I agree because people I feel they use them as examples but it's, it's important to keep it running that we always have hmm. fresh talent coming through and I agree I think it's very smart of her to grow her following because that's only going to help her when it comes to sponsors and trying to further her career having this big following and all this motivation behind her is definitely going to pay off and I think it's very smart of her and it does make her come across as very approachable.
0: Well, definitely and I've, I've said I'll mention a couple of the two because even though their their campaigns didn't go brilliantly for them it was great yeah. again like we were saying above that uh, we've got some more women coming through names that are familiar to us from W series and in the former's case in this in this instance for F1 Academy for this year in Leah Buller yeah. and Emily Dehoise. so I think it's one of the things where if we go back a couple of years, you'd be happy to see one woman in one championship of this nature on the grid. And that's kind of box ticked, you know, wow, we've done this, but now it's four women, at least in F4 UAE. We've then obviously got Sophia flush back in F3. Hopefully at some point with F2 being as crazy as we can get someone in there. But again, it's just good to see that there's more coming up through there. And even if we only get one or two, that's still more than we had. So we need to keep building on that. So it's, even if it didn't go to plan good that we got them there
1: yeah it's really great to see them in so many different categories as well it's becoming less oh we've got some women in you know this category but it's more like we've got F3 we've got Formula Regional European Championship we've got F1 Academy so I think it's just good to have that spread and like you said just keep it moving and always have someone there and competing at a high level so really exciting stuff to see.
0: Before we move on to the, the next session, I want to say we had Dubai, we had Kuwait and we had Abu Dhabi. Was there any one of those tracks that you enjoyed the most for for the racing?
1: Cool. Hmm. That's a good question. I found Kuwait, it exceeded my expectations because when they were like, we're going to go to Kuwait Motor Town, I was like, okay, but that country is already known for their racing as such. So I was a bit like, but it came out with good action. and I really enjoyed it. And I also really liked Abu Dhabi as well, because you know, I mean, it's called F4 UAE for a reason. I think that's really
0: <laughs> impressive. <laughs> I oh, like no, I'd agree with that. It's it's interesting with Abu Dhabi because you get such a mixture of racing there depending on which category you have. So, it's F1, it's always kind of seen as a bit of a a weird one to end the season with, maybe, because it's just seen as here's a Sunday drive to finish off the year, which it's not the most exciting, but it's nice to look at. Um, Dubai, you don't see too much of that in single seaters, so it's just nice to get that there. But then Kuwait, like you say, it's just a bit different, so it's just nice to see these different tracks and you're not good. if you're very much yeah. focused on F1 you get a little bit of a different spread for a channel. Like, ah, maybe we could see someone go here for a change, just for, see, otherwise you'd have to switch to endurance racing for example, because that's the other place we've seen the Dubai track this year so far. Um, but again, so it's just different, so I enjoyed it just for the sake of variety, if yeah. nothing else. <laughs>
1: Because I feel like racing is very, like, high-level racing. People think of Europe, they think of America. So I think it's just good to have different continents getting involved. Even, this is random, but Formula E obviously going to Cape Town this weekend, mm-hmm. I think it's becoming more and more of a global sport. Because I, I know racing, like, to say it was global before, but it did There's to global and there's global. Exactly. So I think it's good to get around all the continents and is it kind of... It's a, i can't even speak it's exciting stuff
0: so yeah no you've got to at least try out some of these new places see what it's like and again maybe explore some continents a bit more if you only have brazil for example as your one south america maybe try out another country down there Wash exactly. or there you know these kinds of things and if it works it works if doesn't it doesn't but it's i think that was one of the big successes of 2020 f1 was that You've got limited racing, but you've got to go back to a couple of tracks you hadn't been to in a while and you've got to go to a couple of new ones and it was just a lot of fun. So I think that variety yeah. really spiced it up and helps F4 stand out a lot then with, yeah. with this category because it's a region that is still building up its motorsport history. We can see that a lot from from F1 in particular. Um, and it's good for these drivers as well because it's not just the same old tracks in Europe that they're going around necessarily all the time yeah. because there's not a lot of... um Middle Eastern drivers at the top of this field or even in the field at all, there's a few of them, but not yeah. too many. So it's good to see that they get that variety of experience because then that in turn that makes them look more appealing to teams yeah. and sponsors and whatever. So
1: even I think it if you're from that country and you see, see the thing going on it might inspire you more. So it's always about getting new generations of racing from different areas because we know racing is very big in Europe. There's lots of British drivers, etc. but getting racing talent who you never know could be the next big thing, like from the Arab nations or from, like you said, another country in South America, having racing there will, it will motivate them because you see a lot of F1 drivers saying, oh, I went to Silverstone, that's what inspired me or I went to whatever race and that's what really got me into it. So I think that's really important as well.
0: No, definitely. So Formula 4, UE also had the Rookie Championship, which top five drivers are will go again there with a couple of names that we also know about. So fifth place was the aforementioned Zachary David there. Fourth place, Federico rifai Third place, Keno al Second, Arvid Lindau, And then first, a Toponen once again there. Uh, a couple of familiar names to what we saw earlier and a couple of new ones. So it's nice to get consistency and variety there.
1: Yeah, 100%. And lots of them are going to to be going into F4 and they will be racing against each other. So it'll be exciting to see how that changes throughout the season. Because obviously we can start off with this, but how does that actually translate across the full season? Because I know last season, I literally just, like, I remember this. It was Formula Regional Asia. It would be Formula Regional Middle Eastern Championship now. Arthur Leclerc won it at the beginning of the season, but then by the end of that F3 season, he finished like sixth. So it'll be exciting to see how people actually change because nothing's set in stone. You can win at the beginning of the season, but it's about how you develop and build on your performances.
0: Well, very much so. And one interesting thing I did is obviously spot there is that there's a hundred point difference between first and second there, which is tremendous and just kind of ridiculous at the same time. And with F3 being as fluid as it can be at time for a 30 driver championship last year, you had about 40 drivers. Um, so it wouldn't be ridiculous to think that at least two or three of these drivers might go into F three even for a little bit. And you mentioned Arthur Purr there as someone who did well at the beginning of last year, then finished outside the top five in F three, still managed to get promoted to F two for this year. As after that, possibly partly to do with his name, but you know sixth place and all that, top um, ten if we're being nice. So you never know one of these five drivers if they can pull something magical out the bag and get a chance even for a couple of rounds in f3 this year who knows they could be in f2 this time next year
1: 100 percent. there's always a couple drivers that they get promoted sometimes you're a bit confused on how that went about but it always happens i think in f2 it would be brad benavides he finished something like 23rd in f3 he's still gone up to f2 who knows maybe he'll surprise me but you do always see these situations and then Felipe Dragovic when he moved up from f3 to f2 I know he didn't finish very well in f3 something like in like definitely below the top 10 but obviously we did see him win f2 in the end so results aren't always the full picture but it'll be exciting to see maybe people that you don't expect to progress that do actually progress
0: I think by this logic, then, we should expect someone from around 15th downwards in the F4 UAE Championship to go into F3 just and be like a sneaky surprise the there.
1: <laughs> yeah, like the bottom of the grid, 100%. We'll be yeah. yeah. The next I'm not interested
0: unless you're 39th <laughs> out of
1: 40. 100%. No one needs first place.
0: No, no. First place, overrated. Sorry, Tucker. Uh, the Constructors Championship, then top three, we'll go through that. Third place, Prima Racing, 190 points. Second place, MP Motorsport, 223 points. Both names we're familiar with. First place, however, a team that is not an F2 or F3, Mumbai Falcons Racing Limited with a whopping 444 points. Fair to say they did all right here.
1: hundred percent. They had some very good drivers. Formula 4 UAE and also Formula Regional Middle Eastern Championship. They won both, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, it's bad to say they did well. I find it quite interesting, though. We see a lot of drivers that normally race with Prima. When it comes to these championships, they do, like, jump over. Obviously, this time with Mumbai Falcons. But I do find that interesting that they don't actually stick with their normal teams.
0: Yeah, and as well, Prima is a team that is usually dominant in F2 and F3 and F2, not really at all last year. And F3, they did they did pretty well from memory, but again, it was nowhere near as convincing as, as they usually are. So I wonder if there's yeah. maybe a change of the guard there. And like you say, with Mumbai Falcons racing them to doing so well in these junior championships, maybe they have their own kind of feeder series plan themselves. It would be nice to see them come into F3 maybe or into a different category and just kind of keep developing because while it's not uncommon for drivers to jump ship from team to team to for their own career interests, it'd be nice to have that, that through way and maybe, if not into F3, F1 Academy maybe or something like this, is to see how well that would grow after after this
1: year. Yeah, 100%, especially because there's some teams we see in F3 and F2, not to call them out by name, but like Shrews Racing, <laughs> that we do kind of see at the bottom of the grid. It wouldn't hurt to have another team that is so successful just come in and give, Drivers that need that chance, maybe in a better car, that chance. To well, exactly.
0: That. You always just want to give them the opportunity. And if it doesn't work out, then fair enough. But at least you can say that the opportunity was there. Exactly. Any final points on the 2023 F4 UAE season from your end?
1: Final points? I'd say, yeah, it was a good season. Very exciting. and finally, finding it very interesting how the drivers in each driver academy are like planning out and it seems that Ferrari definitely have their hands on some very good drivers. Obviously, we know their driver academy is like amazing. They've obviously nurtured the likes of Charles Leclerc. So maybe they've got another one up their sleeve. (laughs) But yeah, very interesting to see how each team's F1 team's junior drivers are faring in these competitions. But it's also exciting to see how they will perform next season F4. I'll
0: go back to what you were saying earlier about being some very nice quality racing in the off-season where you don't always get to see an awful lot. And it's got some great overtaking there and it's just a very good advert for Junior Series at this level because there's so many different F4 championships spread all over yeah. the place. And I remember dipping in and out of the F4 US championship last year, saw some great racing there in kota for example. So again, it's nice to see that at a familiar track, but in this case, great to see that in the UAE and the other countries around there with drivers that maybe we'll never see most of them again, but you'll see two or three and you'll be like, huh, I remember you when you get all the way up to F2. And that's just always very satisfying as a, as a race fan. And with it being a relatively short championship at a point of time in the year where there's not much going on, it is very easy to to commit to it and dip in and out of and highlights are readily available. It's not tricky to, to find or to watch online. Um, So I think that's, we need more of that in motorsport, so it's nice that we have that at this level.
1: Yeah. I think 100% it's also great to have something for these young drivers to do because they're always looking for more experiences. So it's great to have these sort of championships in the off-season instead of just trying to train, train for the next season because obviously the best way to train is actually racing. So like you said, it's really entertaining as well. Exactly.
0: Well, that is all we've got time for on this very quick but necessary review for the F4 UAE Championships. Olivia, where can people find you in the meantime if they would like to see a bit more of you?
1: Well, you can find my blog or my Instagram under Via Motorsport, but my TikTok is under Live Loves Cars. I post on there a lot, probably too much. And then I also have a podcast where I actually interview young drivers from across the world called Global Racing Podcast, and you can go check it out.
0: Perfect. I'll stick all the details. That's the word I'm looking for. Details for yeah. that in the description below. And as for myself, you can find me on On The Curbs, The Natural Rex Podcast, Panic Passion, Panic Priority. Is It Fast, and Instagram. Like you with TikTok, I'm on those far too much. I do a little bit of everything. Fine. In the meantime, thank you all very much for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know if you did and who else from the F4UE Championship stood out to you in the comments. And until next time, goodbye. (music)